Amen. 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 Good morning, everybody. Nimaye, we're going to pray for your healing because you could tell that you were struggling at first and your voice cracking. Uh, but that's okay. We just speak a healing to you. Uh, 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 Curtis, my man, I know you were nervous, but we <laughs> pray for that nervous spirit to be taken away from you in the name of Jesus. And you are fine, and your prayer was from your heart, and that's all the Lord God requires of us. See, praying in front of a crowd may be difficult for a lot of people, but we have to understand that when God goes before us, God gives us peace. Because he said in his word, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but one of power, which means that no matter where you go, you should always stand confident that you are the child of God. And so, Curtis, we pray that you will have that spirit of power and of strength everywhere you go and that every prayer will continue to be heartfelt because that's all he wants is our hearts. And Stephen, thank you for blessing us with your instrumental interpretation of total praise. You moved me uh, as you tingled the ivories, as they used to say, or tinkled the ivories, as they used to say. Uh, so we thank you that you were uh, obedient to uh, the spirit and to uh, Nimaye to go ahead and play on your own and lead that song because it is indeed one of the great gospel songs uh, created by, oh, and I just lost that brother's name, Richard Smallwood. Yeah. <laughs> Almost a, like an anthem. I think that's why so many people like it. I know that's one of the reasons why I love it, especially when they get to the crescendo with an entire choir singing that song. When they give total praise to God, uh, it moves me. Uh, so, welcome everybody. Uh, third Sunday in 2020. Uh, you ever really consider where we are in the life, not just in your own life and not just in the life of church, but just the fact that this is 2020, which is for us as a church our seventh year of ministry. Will next anniversary be seven years? And it dawned on me over the past, this past week, that we have gotten to that place of seven years when people didn't think we'd last seven days. Seven years later, we're still here. There, there have been people who I know that, that uh, really were hating on me and hating on R2D and decided they were going to do what we had. Because if Ron could do it, I could do it. And see them start and crumble all within the same time because they weren't doing it out of a pure motivation. They're doing it because Ron did it. And they don't fail to understand that Ron didn't do nothing. The Holy Spirit used Ron. And the Holy Spirit made it possible because if I go out and do it on my own, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about a seventh anniversary. But the significance of seven is important as far as biblical numerology is concerned. Uh, because if you read the Bible, you will see that the number seven or some derivative of seven is uh, used almost uh, over a thousand times in the Bible. It is one of the most significant numbers of the Bible because the number seven represents spiritual perfection and completeness. So many things were done in the Bible in seven days. Creation was completed in seven days. When Naaman had his, his leprosy and had to go uh, to the prophet, Elisha is the one that told him to go dip yourself in the river seven times. There's so many things with seven associated with the Bible. And, and, uh, and even uh, for a mentor of mine, Bishop Jackie Green, when she was trying to explain to me about Road to Damascus, she, she said she prayed the bamboo blessing over Road to Damascus Church. And if you remember from a previous sermon, 
Uh, we talked about the fact that in some cases a bamboo shoot will peek up out of the ground, but it won't do anything for five to seven years, and all of a sudden, year seven, it just starts to grow. And so we, it may not grow in numbers because this is year seven, but what it does tell me because of this, the, the, the significance of the number seven and the fact that in 2020, which we all know is perfect vision when we deal with ophthalmology, uh, but in, in our seventh year, the growth that I think I'm going to want to pray for is more an abundant spiritual growth. Yeah. yeah, if we get some numbers, that'll be fine. But there are things that we are doing in this small community that demonstrates the spiritual growth and development of the members of Rose of Damascus Church. And so while we may not have the numbers, as, and as you see as the picture on the wall, these are the tents and sleeping bags that arrived. I had them delivered to my parents' house just to make sure uh, they wouldn't be stolen because they can't come to my house while I'm at work. But we have a truckload of tents and sleeping bags to give to homeless people. Yeah. Yeah. A truckload. And as I sat there with the people, as you know, I part, we partnered with, uh, with a college friend of mine in his church. It's called the Church of Light. It's based in Inglewood, California. And I dropped it off over there because he has a young man who works in a, a homeless ministry. And as he pulled into the parking lot, knowing that I was going to be there with the tents, there were people in his church literally shouting on 108th and Crenshaw, Hallelujah! Not because they were getting something, but because they had the resources to give to other people, which then made me shout because our church was faithful enough to be able to touch and pour into the lives of people who have nothing. And here we are in year seven of our church, and as I'm talking to one of the guys in the parking lot, of how many larger churches that have infinitely more resources than we do, that do nothing for anybody or anyone except their pastor and his cliffside mansion. Nothing to help people in the homeless community. Nothing to help people who are missing anything. Nothing for anything other than making sure that their pastor has something, all the niceties of life. You just have to break it down. But our purpose is not to make sure any pastor is living a comfortable life. Our purpose is to make sure we are building up the kingdom of God. So when I look at where we are in year seven, that we are going out in this small church. And we, matter of fact, we, I was kind of uh, halfway joking. I don't know if my mom realizes, but when we were talking about the size of this church, and I said, well, we got, what, 10, 12 members? Jokingly, and then realizing that was an accurate number. <laughs> But even with that accurate number, the fact that here we are, I mean, this is literally thousands of dollars of stuff going to help people who have nothing. And then you have a church that has a budget of a million dollars they can't seem to find to help anybody. We were, we were actually talking about people who have come here that needed help with their bills. They come into our church because they need help with their bills while they go to another church where the pastor drives a Bentley, but they can't get $10 for a hamburger. So in year seven, when we talk about spiritual completeness and spiritual perfection and talk about the growth of the bamboo blessing and where we grow, it doesn't matter if we grow in half from 10 members to 10,000 members. What I want to see is the growth from people who just stop 
worrying about the world and continue to do more of what God is asking us to do. Amen? Amen. That leads us to where we are today when we talk in the gospel and look at what Paul wrote to the church, uh, the Hebrew church, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It is just one simple verse and surmises everything that we need to look about ourselves as we go into 2020. Uh, Hebrews, this is Paul's letter to the church. Uh, they call it the Hebrew church. It's just to the church. Hebrews 12, verse 1. And Paul writes these words. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. And, then just, or, lay aside all the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So this morning, while we're here for a little while, I want to talk about leave the baggage behind. Leave the baggage behind. And you see from the picture, the baggage is labeled with hurt, fear, shame, anger, guilt, unforgiveness. Funny how uh, in our relationships, a lot of times we, we don't think about our own baggage. We, we can see the baggage other people have and what they're bringing into all of our relationships, whether it's a work relationship, professional, personal relationship. Nobody really considers how much of their own bags is weighing down the process. What we bring into every interaction and every relationship we have with ourselves and other people what, what kind of baggage are we bringing and how detrimental is that baggage to the survival of our relationships? Because we all got it. All of us have baggage. A question that, it, that passed, or, or I'm sorry, that, that, that we really grapple with is how much of this baggage do we unload on other people instead of unloading behind us and move forward? And that baggage is heavy. It weighs you down. It weighs everybody down. It, it drives you crazy when you're dealing with people who continually bring the baggage of their past into what's happening right now. You see, and you hear people say it all the time. Why am I paying the price for the sins of others? It's not that they did anything wrong. It's just the baggage that we, we carry, that we still carry the hurt is now I'm protecting myself from you, even though you've done nothing to make me believe that you're going to hurt me, uh, I still want to protect myself, so I carry it around. Uh, but you know, you've seen people like this, you've probably even been the person like this, going to the airport, traveling, and you can't even move because you got so much stuff. Going away for a two-day trip and you're packing like you're going for a half a year. Can't even get outside the house to get to the airport on time because you forgot about the couple of things you got to get. And of course, the couple of things turn into some of an extra bag. And now you got all this stuff and you're trying to maneuver around the airport. And you get mad at everybody else because they in your way. You late, 
and you got a ton of stuff with you, but because they're just doing their thing, now you piss off because it's their fault. But you the one carrying all the stuff. Can't get in, can't get out. Hard to, to get on the bus, the shuttle bus. When, when my wife and I took our last cruise, uh, we said, next time, we're not bringing this much stuff because... If you carry your own bag, you don't have to sit it out at the night on a cruise. You got to sit your stuff outside the room the night before, and then you got to wait till they call you, all these people, uh, to go downstairs. And then you got to go find where your stuff is in the big warehouse that they have all the luggage. Then you grab it. Then you got to go through customs. As opposed to if you just carry some little bit of stuff that was necessary, you can just get your stuff in the morning and walk right off the boat. Walk right through customs, no problem, nobody ask anything. But we got to bring all this stuff with us. All these things that we can't let go because we just think this is so important. I got to keep this with me because you never know what's going to happen. And, and it's the same thing. We gotta, I got to keep some of this guilt with me. I got to keep some of this anger. I got to keep some of this unforgiveness because somebody's going to do something to make me mad. I'm going to keep it with me just in case and, and here we are trying to navigate through life picking up and carrying all this stuff and mad at everybody because they ain't moving the way we need to move some of the baggage that we carry with us this is not an all inclusive list but we carry our bags uh, and our bags and our past guilt, negativity expectations we have had for ourselves, expectations we have for other people because they're supposed to love me, right? You're supposed to behave a certain way because this is what we said, right? Well, this, this is going to be an exclusive relationship just between you and me. And, and I just, even though I didn't uh, uh, put a ring on your finger, I, I, I thought we had an understanding. This is my expectation that you were going to be this way or, or expectation. This is the way my life was supposed to turn out. You hear people talk all the time. I should have did it this way. I really thought if I followed this path, this is where I would be. I'm not happy where I am right now because I was supposed to be here, but this is where I am. Other people's mistakes. Lord have mercy. I'm sitting here dealing with something because I did something wrong and all of a sudden it's magnified because 10 other people did something similar. We're carrying this around and the disappointment of, of life, disappointment of other people. Lord knows as a parent, sometimes you talk to your kids and like, where did I go wrong? What did I do to make you behave in this manner? You talk to people and you see it, it's just disappointing. How did you get to this place in life when I laid a foundation for you to go this way? Oh, man, unexpressed feelings. You know them folk that shut down, that don't say nothing, and then all of a sudden one day it just comes out. Because none of this stuff is ever uh, goes away. Just because you don't deal with it don't mean it don't ever come up. It just means it's staying there until more stuff gets piled on and piled on and piled on until it overflows. You can't take a, a pot and add two quarts of chicken stock and then tomorrow add two more quarts of chicken stock and the day after that, yes, yeah, some of it's going to evaporate but if you keep adding to it, it's going to spill over. It's inevitable. It does not go away. And so we deal with unresolved anger, unexpressed feelings. This stuff is going to come out. And uh, uh, regret. Oh, goodness gracious. 
Oh, if I would have known, I would have did this. God. You hear that me and Sean talk all the time about how I wish I never left Toyota. Should have stayed my butt in Texas. That, but what good is that going to do me right here, right now? It does nothing except an impact. I, I just sat up there. I, my mom had texted uh, text me something the other day, and I accidentally was responding to her uh, or texted her when I was trying to text my wife, and I said, I hate my job. But it's not that it's so bad, maybe it is, but uh, uh, part of it is dealing with unexpressed feelings and, and regret of a decision I made that I think was wrong or feel that it was wrong because it's not like something else. So I'm expecting Samsung to be like Toyota. Well, Samsung ain't Toyota. It's the same thing with our relationship. We're, we're expecting somebody to be like this. And, well, they're not that person. They're different, and they do things differently, and they behave differently, and I can't hold the standard of something that was before, give, you to, give it to you. Otherwise, it's going to resolve in some anger and some regret that is unnecessary. And, and, and the cold part about it is that I'm walking around here with regret, but boy, you talked to me six months ago. I was begging for a job. I couldn't even get a job at Trader Joe's. I ain't joking, they didn't hire me. <laughs> they hire anybody off the street except Ron Thomas. Six months ago, I would have paid to go work for Trader Joe's, and, and now I'm sitting around here with regret because I'm no longer a toy. Get over it, bro. Yeah. Come on. Grief. We know how that grief can impact us. Uh, someone's no longer here with us, and uh, or they, we feel that they were gone too soon, and things are just not the way we want to. Oh, thank you. Uh, Grief is something that holds us back and impacts how we are. And then, of course, the reason why we're here, sin. Sin is a bear when it comes to how we uh, uh, continue to... The, the funny thing about sin is that we may have one type of sin, but it will cause us to bring in extra baggage because of the guilt, because of shame, because of anger, because of one act of sin, we take on extra baggage in our life. And Paul had told us, drop all this weight and the sin. Because he knew then that sin was one bad piece of baggage you didn't want to have, but when you bring on that sin, you're bringing in extra stuff with you. But I found this quote by Dr. Steve Maraboli. He said, the truth is, unless you let go, unless you forgive yourself, Unless you forgive the situation, unless you realize the situation is over, you cannot move forward. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because here we are in 2020, expecting to move forward, expecting 2020 to be different from 2019. But if we are still holding on to things, we haven't let go, we haven't forgiven people, we haven't forgiven ourselves, we haven't forgiven the situation. You will not be moving forward. 2020 will be a repeat of 2019, 2018, 2017, and 1962. And you're still sitting there wondering, why is my life still so messed up? Because you have not let anything go. All you did is accumulate more junk. 
to carry around with you. There was a, a movie called Up in the Air, George Clooney, uh, and he spent most of his life traveling, and he turned that into a successful side business where he's lecturing people on how to uh, navigate life the way he travels, and he set a backpack on the table, and he said, now if you imagine this backpack, and you imagine how it feels on your shoulders, the straps digging into your shoulders, but all this stuff you have that you carry around with you, you put into the backpack. And the more you put the stuff in, the less likely you are to be able to zip it up because it's overflowing. And when it's on your shoulders, the heavier it is, the more it digs into your skin. The more it weighs you down. And these people were there, it was like, and you're watching it, and I'm, I'm sitting in my living room watching it, I'm thinking, wow. We are literally carrying around people, situation, guilt, and junk and wondering why we ain't moving nowhere. Why are we progressing? Why does it feel so hard to get through this life? And you know, we've all had those moments that you wake up and you just feel like you just can't get out of bed. Not because you're physically tired, and sometimes it is a result of physically tired, but emotionally, I just can't get it together today. And it's not even about not having a cup of coffee. It's just, I'm just tired. It's too heavy to keep living life this way. And then what we see is that people then start turning to things to numb the pain. I'm going to start drinking because the drinking takes me someplace that I'll have to deal with this stuff. I'm going to start eating all this stuff because this German chocolate cake. We were talking about German chocolate cake earlier. German chocolate cake makes me feel good. So I'm going to continue to eat, especially if it's good German chocolate cake, Gwen, that... Uh, <laughs> That will numb the pain. And of course, you know these people who love to hit that blunt. You can, every time you see them, their eyes are glazed over because they've just been outside just... Every time you see them. Sometimes it's about because they enjoy the feeling they get. Other times, and a lot of things that people don't like to admit, is that this is how I'm able to cope with life. The only thing that keeps me from snapping your neck is hitting that blunt every now and then. We know folks like that. <laughs> Some of us have been like that. Some of us still like that. It may not be a blunt, but it may be that glass of Henny. <laughs> I ain't leaving nowhere until I have me a little taste. <laughs> that me and me and my wife know some people that every time they leave the house, they're preparing their drinks for the road. For the road. I'm not talking about just drinking at home. We already had our drinks in the house. Now we got the drinks for the road. But we want to deal with this stuff. We want to know what we got to do because in 2020, we got to do something. We're talking about revolutionary love in 2020. We're talking about continuing the transformation that started in 2019. So the truth is, we got to let all this stuff go. And you let it go by the first thing you do like you do when you come home from a trip. You gotta unpack your bags and lay it all out on the open. Lay it all out there so you can see, because we do that. The only thing we don't see is our dirty clothes in the bag, but in the outside that bag, we notice some stinky drawers, right? <laughs> but you lay it out before you pack this bag, 
and look at all the stuff. See, the problem is when we pack on these trips, just like we pack during our life, is that we don't look at all the stuff we're putting in there. We just put out the suitcase and we just start grabbing stuff. Go grab a bunch of underwear, grab some t-shirts, grab some socks, go in the closet. I'm grabbing this shirt, these pants, let me go grab some shoes. And then you put it in the bag and you start thinking about, huh, well, we're going to do this too. Okay, let me go back. Let me get this swimsuit. Well, actually, I'm going to get two. No, make that three because I want to wear the same one every day and throw it into the bag. Let me go get flip-flops because I'm not going to walk around barefoot and then we take this, put this in the bag. Oh, my shower shoes. Let me get my shower shoes and my house shoes and you throw this in the bag and now all of a sudden this suitcase that should have been able to accommodate what you have has got a bunch of stuff in there. And that's just how we've done our life. That now I've gone and I've grabbed some guilt, a little bit of shame. Oh, I've got all this unforgiveness here. Let's pack this. And we go through life. And then here the next year come around. Oh, okay. Here's some hurt feelings. This has got to go into the bag. And we've never thrown out this other stuff. Hmm. Yeah, that girl I was talking to and I wasn't supposed to. Okay. That in the bag. Well, we kissed, but we didn't do that, so this could go on here, too. And this bag is overflowing. Paul said, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Yes. So let aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So it is the reason, looking at what we got to do to unpacking why we have to do it. First of all, we heard that, that, that quote, you can't move forward till you unpack it. Now keep in mind, I'm not a doctor or a psychologist, so I can't give you the answers to how you're going to deal with all the crap in your bag, but here are the reasons why we need to focus on getting rid of all this stuff. First, people are watching how you handle it. We think our lives are so insignificant, but everybody is watching what we do. They are watching you, they are observing you, they are learning from you about what it means to be a Christian because we call around telling folks we believe in God. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus. You hear people say that, ain't God good? God is good. And they're looking at you and Paul said, Therefore, we are also, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, people are looking at you. And the thing is, is that when he wrote this, it wasn't like he's dealing with the city of Los Angeles. He's dealing with, with uh, the, uh, you know, some little small, you know, these weren't no big cities, weren't no urban areas. These are people, maybe they had 100,000, maybe it was a million people, but they're spread out. All over this, everybody's got land, not sitting around where you can walk next door in two seconds and not, in some cases, lean out and tap somebody's window. But he even knew then that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And what we've done, not only do we live in this modern time with so many people in such little space, we have this thing called social media where we're putting all our stuff out there for everybody to see. And so now the cloud of witnesses is even greater because we got folks not only here in L.A. looking at us, they're looking at us in Dallas, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, Toronto, Canada, even Berlin, Germany. Or in my case, I got a niece who's over in Iraq. So in Iraq, what I'm doing is spread across the world. 
And I got a cloud of witnesses looking at what Ron Thomas is doing. There's a cloud of witnesses observing Jasmine. There's a cloud of witnesses looking at Sister Treva and her San Francisco 49ers t-shirt. I want to know, how you going to act when they get beat today? <laughs> Actually, I think the 49ers are going to win. I'm sorry, Brother Jesse. <laughs> but he knew we are surrounded by people that are observing us. And he wrote to Titus. Uh, uh, Titus wrote in chapter 2 of his book, verses 6 through 8. He's telling us, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, and all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may have ashamed of having evil to say of you. He, he's telling because folks are looking at you, Live your life above reproach. Show a pattern of good work. Show some integrity, some reverence. Show some world. Show the people you are incorruptible. It'd be essentially, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about your testimony. That when you are on the stand, that your life is being cross-examined. That the 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 the, uh, the prosecutor is going to be looking at you, and you should have a testimony. And he's saying that when you are facing cross-examination, may they be ashamed because your life has shown that you are an incorruptible, reverent person. People are looking at how we act and how we live our lives. And if we are walking around saying that we're the children of God with this baggage of unforgiveness, people are seeing that. If we are walking around with this guilt, knowing that God has forgiven us for our sins, but we're still carrying it around. If we are jealous of folks because they have stuff we don't have, people are seeing this and it's like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be coveting your neighbor's stuff? Isn't that what your so-called holy book says? Live your life that shows doctrine and it does doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. And you know most of us have a hard time with that cursing stuff. Cursing is not part of sound speech. Sound speech is speaking positively. Encouraging folk. Not ready to curse somebody out. Uh, Matthew tells us in 5.16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's why we gotta unpack all this crap. Stop taking this stuff with us. People are watching. Second thing, sin is a weight that traps you. We, I don't know why we love to keep playing around with stuff that we know we can't handle. You can't handle it. That's why we need a savior. And everybody think they got it in control. And it seems like for a lot of people, their biggest issue is dealing with uh, uh, sexuality in some form or another. We're not even, I'm not talking about what your preference is. I'm talking about keeping it holy. Yeah. I, yeah, well, you know, yeah, I just, I'm just not a one woman type of guy. Yeah, how many brothers we know people act? I don't think I had one of my frat brothers. I just don't believe it is normal for a man to be with one woman. I heard one of the preachers of L.A. when I sat there and watched that nonsense on TV. I just don't know if God truly meant for one man to be with one woman. You a preacher, bro. Didn't you read his work? And it was a weak thing that we can 
hang out with this stuff because I've got control. She don't mean nothing to me. He don't mean nothing. This is just something I do. This is who I love. I ain't never leaving. I, I remember when I watched the movie Ray, and he was uh, when he's with his girlfriend. And told him, well, I'm your wife. He said, I ain't never leaving my wife. And we got people. I ain't leaving my family. I just do what I do. But this is home, and I ain't never changing that. And we think that we can go through life and keep playing with this stuff, and it weighs you down. Ensnare literally means to skillfully surround you. Which is scary when you think about this. That he's saying that lay aside every way in the sin which so easily ensnares us. We think we can go in here and handle this little thing because we all that. But it is, to ensnare us means that your sin literally skillfully surrounded you. You had no control over what you were doing because that sin crept up in there. Skillfully presenting itself to you knowing that you're not going to be able to resist it. Skillfully surrounding. Says it. Thwarting, thwarting a racer a racer in every direction. And you think about this. A runner going in a hundred yard dash but something gets in his way to block him. Or no, not even a hundred yard dash. Let's do the marathon because he's talking about the endurance in this scripture. But there's people in his way. So if something's in your way you can either turn to the side and go, but when you get in there, you can't go to the left, you can't go to the right, you can't even go behind you because it stops you in every direction. He's saying, you need to lay this down aside because it is going to surround you and keep you from forward progress. Where are we trying to go in 2020? As people and as believers, we are trying to grow. And when we sit around here dealing with sin, playing around with it, it stops our forward progress. That's why our bags have still got junk in it from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s because we have not moved forward. Thinking that we have the power to stop doing something all on our own and we are completely powerless. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 10, and if Christ in you, the body is dead because of sin. Life and death in our choices. You keep carrying this stuff, whether it's jealousy, guilt, unforgiveness, anger, guilt, and shame. And he said all this stuff is death, but the spirit is life because of righteousness, which means we have to choose what's right and turn away from the things that are holding back. Uh, this, they didn't have this name quote. It said, the moment you ask for forgiveness, God forgave you. Now do your part and leave the guilt behind. Why are you still carrying something that God had already said is done? It's done. You no longer have to carry this around with you. You no longer have to worry about what people think of you. You don't have to sit around here and apologize for this because you've already done it. It's done. I said it's over. I've forgiven you. My son has died. He has shed his blood for you. Let it go. Why are you still carrying it around with you? Who cares in 1968 you did this? Who cares in 1984 this happened? Who cares in 1993 this happened? It happened. It's done. 
No amount of focus is going to be able to change what happened. It happened. It's over. Get moving. That goes for all of us. The, the guilt that we carry and the unforgiveness that other people carry. It's done. God has forgiven you. Let it go. John wrote, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why do you think you can hold unforgiveness in people when God said he is just and faithful to forgive all sins? You better than God that you don't have to forgive nobody? What you create that you think you got all power in your hands that you got to walk around carrying around unforgiveness for all these years? He said he is just. He is faithful to forgive and cleanse us, which means you're no longer stained with sin. There was an Old Testament scripture, I forgot, I should have got that one and written that down, written that one down. It said that he will wipe his sin, our, 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 our iniquity away. That he will remember it no more, but yet we walking around like memories of elephant. And he go, ever forgive you. Always there in my back pocket, just waiting for the day you say something so I can pull it out and slap it on the table. Remember when? And you know we got to throw it, especially us, we got to throw that N-word in there too to let them know for emphasis. Lord have mercy. The <laughs> last thing. <laughs> Baggage is going to impede our endurance. Paul has said, uh, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You can't run carrying a bunch of stuff. When you watch the Olympics, no matter what sport or which race they are running, no matter if it's a 100-yard dash or the marathon, they are coming in there with the least amount of stuff on them. Because any kind of weight, I remember in the, somewhere in the 90s, they were even wearing little things over their head to cover their hair because they didn't want the wind getting in their hair to slow them down. They're trying to get rid of everything. You see swimmers, when they're getting ready to swim, they shave their hair off their bodies and their guys are just wearing these little skimpy speedos because you don't want nothing dragging you down. But we go through life carrying all this stuff, supposed to be running a race with endurance, and you can't get nowhere because you're too tired, too worn out, too, too, too spent, the energy spent. People, folks tell you, I can't do nothing until I have my morning cup of coffee. That legalized drug that gives you some energy and some pep. You can't sleep at night because you're so worried about all this stuff going on at home, all this stuff going on at work, all this stuff going on in other people's lives, people you don't want to see because now you're going to have to confront them or they're going to confront you about something and we can't even get any proper rest because we're so, so stressed out. And he said, let it go. There's too much left in life, too much life left, to a race, too much race to go forward to carrying all this stuff. This, this endurance, what he's talking about is patience, which was steadfastness and constancy. Matthew Henry's interpretation of the scripture said that when you're dealing with endurance, you're dealing with the characteristic of a person who has not swerved from their deliberate purpose. Every day do you wake up with a deliberate purpose? Does your life have a deliberate purpose? 
We are part of a church that has a deliberate purpose, so we should be made up of people who have a deliberate purpose. He says, a person who is not swerved from their deliberate purpose and loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. That is a person who has endurance, that no matter what life throws at them, they continue to push, they don't swerve, they don't Straight, they have a deliberate purpose and loyalty to their God. Do we have enough loyalty and faith? Piety is just reverence. Reverence to God to be able to face all of our trials and can still continue and emerge out of that victorious because we know that we have a God who is in charge and controls everything. How you go run and a deliberate, purposeful race with all this stuff weighing you down. We, we look at these people, and it's sad, but when they sit there, they take their own lives. It's because they've been swerved from their deliberate purpose. I feel so sorry for them. I don't judge them for not knowing how to handle things. I pray for them and pray for others that we don't get swerved from our purpose and that we have a loyalty based in something more than just having fun or just based on something more than just doing me. I'm doing me. Well, no, you just doing you is not going to get you anywhere. You will get swerved. You will get ensnared. You will get weighed down by stuff. And we see people who are doing it we never would have suspected would kill themselves. And the ones who are not committed suicide are engaged in all manner of stuff. We see these people. Why would you? I'm going to leave that alone. You just know when you out and you see these people. We see people. And I'm not saying you have to look a certain way, but we know what is an acceptable standard of appearance. And I'm not talking about people who wear their hair a certain way. Right, brother? It's your natural hair. I'm not talking about things that God has created. I'm talking about the things we do to alter ourselves. That stuff. Paul wrote to the Roman church, chapter 6, 12, 13. Do not let sin, no, we start over. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And see, that's the problem with sin. We start to obey it because we crave it. And do not present your members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and let your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You can't be an enduring, running, a purposeful race you can't have endurance if you are sitting here letting sin reign in your body. Then Matthew says, come to me. Uh, no, this is Jesus telling us when we are, uh, we're too heavy. The burden is too heavy. I got too much stuff I'm carrying with me, God. I need to let this stuff go. He's telling us you can let it go. And he writes in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Remember what it was like to just go to sleep and really rest? Not have any stress or worry? 
not having any concerns, not, not just having peace. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all who labor, all of you who are stressed, all of you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Just bring all your mess to me. You give what you carry it to me, and I'll give you this burden because my yoke, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not giving you anything that's going to weigh you down. Whatever it is you carrying around, you give it to me and you take my yoke and you will see you will have easy life. Give it to me. All of you who are, where, uh, what did he say? Who labor and are heavy laden. All of you who are stressing and dealing with things that you think are out of your control. All of you who are carrying around guilt and jealousy and anger and hurt and unforgiveness. Bring it to me and I will give you rest. And we're walking around here carrying all this stuff with us when Jesus said, give it to me. Give it to me. I will give you rest. We got folks out here looking at you. You my representative here on earth. You got all kind of people watching you. You got to let this stuff go. You can't keep playing around with this stuff because it's dangerous and it's going to ensnare you. It's going to weigh you down to keep you from running a purposeful race. Let it go. You need the endurance to finish because what I have given you is not going to end today. You got to be able to stand and run this race. So come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, so I can give you some rest. Yes, yes. Learn from me, he said, because I am gentle. Let me give you what I have, and I'll take on all your stuff so you can maneuver around. You just take what's needed in your life strength, courage, steadfastness, and faith, love, peace, joy. That's what we have to carry in the bag. All the stuff that is needed. Just think about a trip that you would take if you only took what you needed for that trip. Your bag would be so much lighter. And if we just think about the same way, what do we need for this life? Peace, joy, love, forgiveness. Your bag is going to be light you'll find that you won't need that any. You know how some folks at the end of the day, they cannot go to bed until they had a glass of something to calm them down. I got to just get that. I want to let it go, but I can't let go of this stuff. Paul wrote in Colossians, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let go of this stuff. Mom and dad weren't the best. Let it go. First husband, first wife wasn't the best. Let it go. Ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend did this. Let it go. Current spouse has done something. Let it go. Life is not where you want it to be. You still got life to live. You will not get to that place carrying all this stuff. Let it go. Who cares that at age 40 you were supposed to do this? Do it at 50. 
Do it at 60. Do it at 80. Nobody put a timeline on this but you. Let go of those fake expectations, the expectations of the world. Let God work on you and you do what God has called you to do. I could have given up on school when I dropped out the first time when I went to college. And I said, no, I got too much going on. But I had too much going on to not go back to school and get my degree. If you want to do something, do it. Time is going to pass anyway. If I had sat there back in 2002 and told about I don't have no time, I would have been in 2020 because it's still coming and no degree or I could have did what I did and have a degree. I want to get better at this, do it. I want to love more, do it. I want more peace in my life, do it. Do it. Let go of this stuff that people hold us back. Let go of the things that are keeping you stuck in this place is weighing you down because you will look up in 2025, 2030, and 2040 with more regret, more disappointment, more anger, more unresolved feelings because you kept holding on to this stuff instead of to learning from Jesus and said, come to me. Just, just bring yourself to me and I'm going to give you rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you.